And I found, I think it was an article by you, maybe I found something, I found the term NPE and it like, rainbows, unicorns, the world opened. It was like, I just, I'm going to cry, like thinking about the relief that I felt when I found that word and was able to connect into a community of people that could hear me, that kind of understood me. I didn't have to suppress anymore. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 117. In next week's episode, I will have on Fred Firestein, and he has been on Eve Sturgis's podcast, Everything's Relative. So if in preparation of next week's episode, you would like to listen to Fred's episode on Eve Sturgis's podcast, I think that would be very helpful because he will be giving an update, a bit of a part two on our podcast, NPE Stories. So if you haven't listened to Eve Sturgis's, please listen to her podcast. She has an NPE podcast all about DNA surprises, and it's called Everything's Relative. And she is a friend of mine. She is an NPE. She's amazing. And we recently found out a bit of a strange coincidence between the two of us. Um, We've been friends for a couple years now. I had a new cousin reach out to me. And it turns out she has a close connection with Eve Sturgis. So here I have this new cousin, and she's been friends for decades with Eve. She knows the term NPE, which is kind of rare. Not very many people know what that is. She's been following NPE podcasts for some time now. And she said, wait, you're Lily Wood? Eve Sturgis is my friend and you're my cousin. It was just the strangest coincidence. So I I had to put that out there because I was like, oh, small world. Uh, And on this podcast, we listen to NPEs, donor-conceived individuals, and uh, late discovery adoptees share their story of how they found out they had a non-paternal event or a misattributed parentage experience in their life. And that's what we're going to do right now. Because today I'm going to be speaking with Marisol. Hi, Marisol. Are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi. So nice to talk to you today. Yeah, vice versa. I'm uh, very excited and grateful and nervous. And that's all completely normal. I'm, I am no professional. I, I get nervous myself. And this is this is hard to talk about, right? With, yeah. with the family dynamics yeah. and yeah, it's 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 a scary step for me doing this, but it is a necessary one for my healing. And I just cannot tell you how grateful I am for this community to hear me, to be heard by people that understand is like groundbreaking. It has been just this podcast has meant a lot to me. So for me to be on this side of it is like whoa. (laughs) I'm just really grateful. Yeah, a big deal. Thank you. And thank you for waiting. I know the wait list is, you know, like 40 some people long and I only do one episode a week. So that takes months and months to get on. And so thank you for your patience. And, and I know that we, you and I spoke a couple days ago just about how much do we give away? How much are we anonymous? And that is completely up to you with, you know, if you need to do any name changes or if you want to leave some stuff out, I understand. But this is, this is your story. This is what happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I've struggled with that question a little bit and I'm going to go with my gut and just really tell my story in uh, as authentic as I can and 
be as respectful to everyone involved as I can. Um, I think there's a lot of healing in that for me, owning that. Um, even as scared as I am, take that step. It also is like liberating. <laughs> it's very yes. liberating. And I'm so grateful for this platform to do it because it feels like such a like solid step, you know? So thank you. Let's go ahead and um, why don't you, whatever you're comfortable with, with your background, it's kind of helpful just to get an idea of who was in your family of origin and kind of take it from there about what happened. So why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about your childhood? Yeah. So um, I, yeah, so I was born in Germany Um, My parents were both in the Air Force, uh, so they were stationed there. Uh, I was born in 1979. They were very young, 18 and 19, and they hadn't, you know, as the story goes, (laughs) as I know it, um, they were uh, only had known each other for a short amount of time before they were pregnant with me. My dad you know, just really stepped up to the plate when that happened and was really, you know, excited and um, uh, wanted to marry my mom and raise a family, um, even though they were 18 and 19 when they were, you know, they were little babies. Um, And uh, in a foreign country. um, And uh, I'll throw it out there now just because it relates in the story so much later that my mom is white and my dad is Puerto Rican. They kind of had this the the cute biracial love story, you know, and I was the product of that. Um, my biracialness was a real big uh, like deal in that time, um, in terms of it wasn't as common, it was less accepted, but it was also like you know kind of this new world um, where it. I feel like I kind of broke the mold in a lot of that stuff, you know, biracial issues and whatnot within our family, within my mom's family, within family in general. And it was a big part of my identity (laughs) growing up. Um, Anyways, so uh, Germany, they were young and they uh, had me. I was born in Germany Uh, They got married very quickly. Um, My mom went for her six-week checkup with me and found out she was pregnant with my brother. Um, And so me and my brother, he was born 11 months later. So we were 11 months apart from each other. Um, Very close. (laughs) Like we looked like twins. People thought we were a little, you know. So there my parents were young and like with two kids, you know, by the ages of like early 20s. Um, They got stationed in Austin, Texas, um, and that's where we were raised, was in Austin, Texas, from the time I was little on. That's all I know. My parents were loving in the ways that they provided for us. We had a roof over our head. We had toys at Christmas. Um, But they were young, and there was a large kind of, mm, I guess... I don't want to fight for love. You know, everybody wanted something from each other that they didn't have it to give. Kind of, I felt like a lot, there was a lot of a passive aggressiveness. Um, my parents were really anxious to live their lives and not be tethered with kids. Um, uh, you know, there was just a beautiful shiny surface, uh, and a lot of kind of discomfort on the inside. But they tried, and I like very much as a, as a parent myself now. I very much see the ways that they did try and the things that they did do, and I greatly value it. Um, but there was there was a lot of dysfunction. <laughs> there was a lot of dysfunction. Me and my brother were very close, and also you know enemies because there was like a fight for love all the time. You know, so lots of fighting and lots of closeness too because we were just always together. Um, growing up, me and my brother, of the two of us, um, I definitely was the one who looked like, you know, according, according to everyone and myself, I was the one who looked like my father. I was the one who took after my father. Um, he, he took up more after my mother, um, just in personality wise too. Um, so this, it just never, it was always like I was daddy's girl and 
Uh, we grew up in Texas, so I tanned very easily <laughs> and I had dark eyebrows. And so it just kind of, it just, yeah, it made the story work. Um, anyways, um, as we grew up, the cracks, I think, started to get more and more. So my mom was in art school my whole life growing up. Eventually graduated art school and started teaching art and then really got into the computer like animation world just right at the beginning of it when it was really just starting and kind of took off in a career in that whole world. Um, my dad got out of the Air Force and then kind of went to work for Motorola as an engineer and did that for a lot of our life. He worked a lot during our lives to, you know, I think keep from fighting with my mom, I think to keep money flowing, he just was working a lot. Um, and as we got older, you know, me and my brother, the cracks really showed with that. Um, I left home early at 17 just because things were so rough in a lot of ways. I'll skip a lot of that part. Um, and then my brother ended up getting arrested at 17. Um, and it just kind of like deflated my parents' image of this like beautiful family, you know? Mm. Um, and so my dad at that point, a little bit after that left my mom and I think he had, it's something that he had wanted to do for a long time, but you know, stuck in there for me and my brother. Um, and it just devastated my mom and she got very, uh, very like vindictive, not vindictive. That's not really the right word, but like just bitter and angry. And any person who was within your earshot, you know, she had to just lie. And that's my mom. She kind of makes up stuff a lot and exaggerates and, uh, that's her personality, but it just got really worse with the divorce. I mean, she just made up so much stuff about him and really just drug him through the mud every which way. It was really hard. I wasn't living at home, but it was really hard to be a part of because she really wanted me to like take her side. And it was just not so to me. There was no sides to be taken. You know, it was just a divorce and people don't always work. And Anyways, so she, it was rough. She ended up moving away. Um, it was really hard on all of us in a lot of different ways. And a lot of the hardness was how hard it was on her and how she was just so ragingly mad. Um, and at that point, you know, my, I had just kind of gotten annoyed with my, <laughs> just so much with my mom. It was never easy with her and I, she was always very apathetic to me. Um, I always felt like I was like, I, like she wanted something better a lot. It felt like, you know, um, but it always felt so hypocritical. It just, it was always rough, you know, we tried, but we couldn't, I don't know. We couldn't always do it. Um, anyways, I got this random phone call when I was 20 years old and it was my mom out of the blue. And she was like, I need to tell you something, you know, <laughs> I'm like, what in the world are you calling me about? And she was like, I don't know who your dad is. And it was so shocking and jarring. And I was just like, like blow out of left field, you know? And I was just like, what? You know, like my dad was my rock. He was like my very solid person through my whole life, you know? And so it was just, shocking. And then she just kind of backpedaled. I started asking questions. She got really squirrely. She kind of backpedaled on a lot of what she was saying and made it sound like maybe it wasn't true. I couldn't tell. It was the weirdest phone call. Mm. Um, and then I was like, does dad know? And she was like, no. And I was like, so I have to talk to him about like, what? I, I'm about to see him in a few hours. Like, or it was like the next day or something, you know, it was just the strangest mm. phone call at 20 years old. And I started to get frustrated because it was very weird. And I was like, mom, this is like, like, this is <laughs> what in the heck is happening? And as soon as I started to get mad, she hung up the phone and uh, didn't talk to me again for a very long time um, and wouldn't answer my calls, no explanations, nothing. <laughs> and 
I guess she called my dad right afterwards and told him a very similar story. Um, and then my dad drove over to my house cause he couldn't get in touch with me. We, we, we still live near each other. Um, so he drove over and was just like, are you okay? And I was like, no, like not at all. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what's happening. I'm so confused. And we both kind of cried and agreed that more than likely she was just making it up because she was so angry with the divorce and she was so angry with me for not taking sides and that she was trying to like, you know, be mean and put a wedge between me and my dad. And, and because it was such a weird phone call and it didn't make a lot of sense, that thought made the most sense to me was that she was lying to get mad, to get, to get at my dad, you know, to get at me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it created like a brain leech in my head. Me and my dad had a really sweet moment around it. He was just like, you know, Miha, just, you know, put her out of your head. I'm always here, you know, just phone call away. Like, don't dwell on this, you know, like just, she's just trying to hurt me, you know? And I was like, okay, you know, um, but it, it really, I called it a brain leech, you know? I mean, you do something like that to your kid and, it's not like that thing, that thought goes away, you know, yeah, it just yeah. festers and it festered. Um, and then, you know, my mom never called me back for years. <laughs> my mom never called me back. No. Um, and so, uh, a couple years later, I'm 24 now, um, haven't connected with my mom maybe one time in that whole time. And again, I don't even think it, I think maybe she hung up on me again. I think, I'm pregnant with my son is amazing miracle. The best thing ever happened to me. And, um, uh, three months pregnant, my brother was killed in a tragic car accident. Um, and it was, that was a big, big game changer. I'm going to, I'm going to try not to cry on that one. Um, uh, that was a big game changer. <laughs> um, I wasn't in Austin at the time. I flew home. Uh, I flew to Austin. My mom met me. We had this very strange experience and I, and I'm going to talk about it because I think it's relative to the, some of the stuff that I'm dealing with now. She picked me up and brought me to the place where a lot of people were gathered. Um, and, She always introduces me as her, you know, her Puerto Rican daughter, the Puerto Rican version of her. This is my Puerto Rican daughter. You know, we hadn't talked in years. And the last time we did talk was her giving me a bullshit phone call about my dad. It just, it, it just really, I I was pregnant. My brother was, all these people were staring at me and she was just immediately launched into this whole monologue about how awful my father was and how I turned out great. And it was devastating for me. And I ran out of the room. I found a cell phone and called my dad, of course, and was like, I need you to come get me right now. Like she has lost it, you know? And he couldn't, but he sent his wife who was an adoptee. And like, I just feel like she's been really helpful to me through this process. Um, and she came right away and picked me up. It was like, she, she's a Latina. And she was like, Mija, like you need food. We're getting you on the couch. Like only thing we're doing is resting and focusing on the baby and healing these wounds and grieving your brother. Like, none of this other shit, you know, they just took me home and put me on the couch and just took care of me, you know, they just took care of me <laughs> and I am so grateful and I, I didn't really talk to my mom again for a while, she, the, my mom, my brother's girlfriend, who was a wonderful lady was in the car with my brother it all happened and um made it out um and she's from peru and um she was very fucked up like excuse me really messed up from the whole thing clung to my mom my mom started calling her her daughter and just kind of discarded me you know 
thank God I was pregnant because my son just like a miracle, you know, he is just such a miracle. He is such an awesome baby. It's just such a sweet, loving soul. Um, and when he was born, I just saw parenthood differently. Um, I wanted my mom in my life. So, you know, I sucked it up. I um, did the things that I knew would work with her, which is to just like apologize for shit that I didn't do. And um, like, you know, like blah, 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 barf, barf. And then we can be friends again. (laughs) You know, like that's how it feels to me. And I wanted that really bad when my son was born, you know, and so I did that and she tried to, to be fair to her, you know, but it took me like being like, (laughs) like apologizing for shit that I didn't need to. Um, And I also had to suck down any conversations that we were going to have about this dad thing. You know, I had to really suppress that. And I felt like when you lose somebody like the way that I did with my brother it puts life in perspective how short it is and how it can be taken away from you in a second. And so I just was like, I just have to be the bigger person here, you know, and I need my son to have a grandmother. I need my mom. And so I just did that, you know, for a while I suppressed any feelings that I had any questions and worked outwardly. You could say on my life, like worked making my outward life, altruistic and holistic and worked on putting these outward pieces together. But inwards, I was a rage ball and it would leak out on the people that I loved around me because suppressing doesn't work. You know, it's not a tactic that like is healthy for anyone, you know, but I just didn't know another way. And so I did that for a while, but my son got bigger. Um, and my questions, I finally, you know, he was maybe five or six. And I finally was like, I I confronted my mom in a very loving way one day. It was the first time I had done anything like that in a long time. Just with all the love in my heart, mom, I, I completely understand life is hard and we all make silly decisions based on our crazy emotions and, you know, whatnot. But I love you. And you told me this thing that has been very confusing for me and I need some answers. And she did the apathetic thing that she does, the aloof thing. She goes aloof, um, just listens to me like she's listening, but then like won't respond. Um, and then eventually I just kind of sat there and I was like, so, and she was like, well, I'm not going to give you any answers today. And I was like, I had like impositioned her kind of, you Mm. know, and I was like, you know, this shit's really fucked up. (laughs) I don't know what to do now, you know? Um, fast forward a little bit later, I get pregnant with my, my amazing daughter. My kids are like eight and a half years apart. I I think as you get farther along in parenting, at least this has been my experience. Like I start to be like, no, hell no. Like the stuff you were saying that was like so hard or like that, like blame me for whatever. No, like it starts to become clear that like, no, that wasn't my fault, you know, and just stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I, it became more clear to me and I got less patient with her in general, I feel like, but getting pregnant with my daughter was another, you know, babies are like such a, a game changer and they bring people together and they're, you know, they can bring, bring people together. And so I did more of the humbling suppression, <laughs> suppress all my feelings, around my mom around anything and then just try to go with the flow. Cause I thought that's what I had to do. You know, um, what happens is it like really greatly affects my self-worth and you get like years and lots of years. Like my adult life is going by now and my self-worth is like really like chipped away at time and time and time and time again, you know, and then you overcompensate. And like I said, the anger inside just gets, not fun. It's not fun. You know, I tried different therapists through the years. Um, I I had certain people say certain things that were very like helpful. One time I had a therapist say, you know, broken people can't fix broken people. And that was a big one for me. Like just kind of like understanding why my mom doesn't do (laughs) like why she is the way she is, you know? Just, but mostly I would be frustrated with therapists because I feel like I 
there was this whole part of the puzzle that was missing, <laughs> huge part of the puzzle that was missing. So years are going by. I've got a really good friend. I don't talk to people about this um, very often because it's such a like weird little thing. But I've got a really dear friend that I, she I was opening up to about it, and she was like flabbergasted and appalled and was like, "What? Your mom did what? Like who does that? Like uh, you know?" And like, no, you don't like, you need to figure that out. And I was like, well, the only way I can figure it out is if I go ask my dad for a DNA test, which at the time is expensive. And also just like a kick and not going to do that to my dad. My dad is such a good dad. Like there's no reason. It, it just seems so hurtful to him, you know? And we were still of the mindset that my mom was lying, you know? And so she was like, okay, I get it. And maybe like a few months later, she came to me and was like, I just want to throw this out there, but this was in 2015 that um, they make these DNA tests for families, like these things where you can, you know, we just did one as a family and it showed us what our national, like what our races were, nationality, you know, where we're from, all that kind of stuff. And she was like, you know, since your mom's German or my mom's like German British and your dad's Puerto Rican, it would show up if you had took this test. And she was like, I totally bought you one. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) And so I did it, you know, Um, like I would never have even thought of it or known about it or like sought it out or, you know, it was such just a random thing. And, um, so I just spanned the tube. She sent it in for me. She, like, it was not, I just, anyways, she was just so like, that is not right, you know, in her mind. And then we got the results back and she got them because she had like signed up for the whole thing for me <laughs> and was like, Hey, the results are back. She didn't open or anything. She was like, I'm going to send it to you and all that. And, you know, open them up and it's like, you're all white, but it was really hard to read the results in 2015. Like they basically were like, if your father hasn't taken the test, you know, this is that, this is, this is the best we've got kind of deal. So I called them and they were like, same deal. It was super vague, super hard to understand. Um, But it was definitely the first like, Oh shit. Maybe my mom wasn't lying moment for me. And it was a really big one. You know, it was a really big one. And it still left me in this crazy state of limbo because it was completely inconclusive. And I wasn't going to go ask my dad to take the test because it's, he's just such a good dad. It just felt really disrespectful to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't know what to do with the results. So honestly, I just kind of like, I was just like, thank you to my friend. I think she felt kind of weird and bad. <laughs> um, and I didn't really look at them again. I just put them away because it just didn't give me any answers. It just made it weirder, you know? And a couple months later, I got the courage up to write my mom an email um, and and was like, hey, uh, I took this DNA test thing and it's saying that I'm not Puerto Rican and like, I, I, I've asked you about this in the past and you've blown me off. I don't know what to say anymore. I've got two kids now at this point that this affects like, you know, please, please, I love you. Talk to me, you know? And, um, I got a, oh, my mom. So I got this email back and my mom was like, fine. If this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to do it. Like I was the one that was choosing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, she says, um, I don't know who your, your father is. He, I was at a party in Germany. He was a German man. I was really drunk. Um, I wouldn't say that I was raped, but I would definitely say that I was sexually assaulted and I have no idea who he was. And I know he was German and I have no idea how to find him. And then she kind of went into the second half of the email being like, you know, I don't regret you and all this kind of other stuff that was very sweet. But I mean, that was a huge, huge, huge blow to me um, to find out through an email that I'm the child of a sexual assault of some German man at a party. Like this is huge for me, you know, and that I'll never find him, you know, that I'll never know him. 
Um, so I spent years of my life processing that story <laughs> and dealing with that story and trying to like figure out how to deal with it. My mom did the disappearing act thing that she does where she didn't respond to me for a very long time. I emailed back and was like, mom, like, hello. And she was like, oh, I didn't know you emailed. <laughs> I'm just like... I am such a different mother. I am such a different mother. And so it's really hard for me to relate to her in ways that she does things. Like it just floors me sometimes. So a few years go by and I'm processing this story, no help from my mom and kind of made to feel shitty, honestly, a little bit, you know, I hadn't looked at 23andMe in a very long time, like a long time. So this is maybe 2019 or late 2019 now. I get some email that's like, you have a very close, you have a message. I had never gotten a message before. I had never paid attention to the emails before. I had never opened the app since that time, four or five years ago or whatever. And so, but this was like, you have a message. So I was like... And if I would have known what I was getting into, I would not have picked that time to open that email (laughs) because I was like about to go cook dinner for my kids. It's like dinner, homework, bath time. You know, I'm about to go into full mom mode and I open this email and it's like, it just like takes me to this message portal. I feel like it's still a little blurry. Um, And it's like, 50 or 49.9% DNA match. This is your father. I'm going to leave his name out. He happens to have the same name as my husband, which is really wild. Um, but I was like, what? Wait, what? You know, and the floor dropped out. I had a, I had a panic attack. I had a panic attack. I am kind of embarrassed to say it, but I ran into the bathroom. I was in a kind of a, I was like in our art room and I just ran into the bathroom because it was like anybody was going to walk in and see me, you know, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even stand. Like I was, I like didn't know what to think, you know, and hyperventilating. And I just took, I don't know how long it took some time in the bathroom to get my breathing together, to be able to breathe. And I was like, I got to get my partner. I got to get my husband to, to do the kids tonight. You know, that was my next thought. I was like, I can't do this. Like I just ran downstairs and he was like, you look like you've seen a ghost. Like he was like legit worried, you know? And I was like, I kind of did, you know, and I hadn't even like opened it or looked at it or anything. I was still just like, processing that one sentence, you know? And I was like, I need you to do the kids. And he was like, what is it? And I was like, I can't even say it aloud. I just need you to look at the computer. And he looked at it and he was like, Oh shit. He was like, yeah, I got you. He's like, I got you. Just go like lock yourself in the room, do what you need, you know? And, um, it was days, you know, days of, of, um, like a mix of reeling, going through my past, investigating this person, um, just this rabbit hole, you know, total rabbit hole of uh, the bottom up being ripped out, you know? Um, and so I opened the message and it was a very simple, um, very, very simple message. And it was from him and it had been sent like, almost a year prior to that. And I just had never seen it. So poor, poor guy had sent a message a year ago and just didn't hear from me. Um, and it was said very interesting or something very like DNA, very interesting, uh, result or something like that. You know, uh, you know, this is my name, feel free to research me or whatever, or reach out if you want to, like, that was it. It was really simple, kind, not, not like super sketchy. You know, I was just like, Okay. Okay. And so I sent him a message. It was like, uh, my, like the bottom has fallen out of my life. I need you to just give me a sec. And, and like, I will reach back out to you in due time, but I just need a minute, you know? And he said right back, you know, no worries. Um, he said, there's a book out there called, um, the inheritance. Is that the one, the Danny Shapiro book? And I think that's the one. Yeah. He said, there's a book called that, he said he had kind of read through it and it had helped him, um, you know, and he just wished me well on my journey. 
And so I said, okay, okay. You know, there was this solid minuscule of solidity in that, you know? Um, so then of course I'm emailing and texting and calling my mom and my mom blocks me everywhere, blocks me on social media, blocks my phone, blocks everything, like nothing. Like, like she had never blocked me before, you know, (laughs) she has like not answered me, but she's never blocked me, you know? Um, so I, I, I couldn't get through to her. Um, my protectiveness is just like, I need some kind of answers before I start talking to this guy, this random person, you know? And then it was like, I just got to jump in, you know? So I just, I started looking him up and holy crap. He looks just like my son, like just like my son, like younger pictures, you know, on, on Facebook. Um, it's just like, there's no mystery anymore. There's no, like, I spent 20 years almost just in this giant vortex of mystery, you know, and like being lied to processing, like being a product of sexual assault, so many things. It was like, there was no more, there was just no more of that. And now there was this whole unknown, you know, that was really scary, Um, and so I eventually reached out to him and was like, Hey, let's arrange a phone call. Um, and we talked and it was great. It was really great. Um, he has been wonderful and difficult. Um, our relationship has not been straightforward in any means. Um, jumping into somebody's life this late into it is hard for anyone. You know, there's not going to be just like linear paths. (laughs) It's weird. It is weird no matter which way you slice it, you know? Um, And for him, there's like, he doesn't have a spouse. He doesn't, he, I do have a half sister. I'll go into that in a minute, but he doesn't have a lot in his life. And so this is very exciting for him. And there's not a lot of downside other than that. He was lied to, you know, stuff like that manipulated. Um, But for me, you know, this is like losing my dad, losing my mom, like, because my mom, I know my mom will probably never talk to me again, you know, like, um, it's just a lot, you know, and also there's this new person. And so it's just taken me a minute to kind of assimilate all of it, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but I feel really like solid about how I have shown up. Um, because I don't just, I'll never just leave somebody hanging or like, no way that's mean. (laughs) Um, but you know, it's, it's, this has been a path for sure. Um, so, you know, we got to know each other a little bit via telephone. Um, he kind of wanted and needed a lot more for me than I could give in the beginning, still kind of to this day, but he has under, he understands now where I'm at versus in the beginning, I think it was a lot more painful for him. Um, and I just, there's just so many components of this for me, you know? Um, so I needed to, to talk to my dad at a certain point because this new person wants to be in my life. I, I need more information. Did my dad know who he was back in the day? Were they friends? He doesn't remember my dad. Um, and here's another kind of funny or not funny, but interesting thing that goes in the mix that just definitely concretes some of the stuff about my mom. So around that time when I was 20, my mom found him on AOL. Um, so she must've always known. Um, and they dated, they had a, they were like boyfriend, girlfriend, not for very long, but for a little bit of time, um, before my, my mom and my dad met. Um, and, uh, she looked him up on AOL in the late nineties, I guess it would be early two thousands. Um, and found him and kind of like alluded that she was interested in like rekindling a romantic relationship with him. Um, and like bought a plane ticket to go fly out to see him, uh, and made it sound like to him that she wanted to kind of rekindle this 
forgotten romance that they had in Germany back in the day. And he was super stoked. (laughs) He was very happy about that. Um, And so she got there and it became very, like she did the thing that she does, which is she gets really aloof, very weird. Um, I could just see their personalities like clashing so hard. (laughs) Like they, I cannot even imagine them talking. Honestly, they have really different, really different personalities. Um, and my mom is really just like ruthless. If she doesn't like you, she's just cuts you off, you know? And there's that. So I know she couldn't have looked at him and not known because Honestly, I look, I look, my son just looks like me. I look just like him. Um, I know my mom had to have gone there because she wanted to know, you know, like she wanted to see him and know. Um, and they spent like a couple days together, like two days together. And like, he was really angry because he felt led on and misled and she was just being mean to him the whole time. And so he lost his temper on her and yelled at her and took her to the airport and dropped her off at the airport. So they didn't really have a romantic rendezvous or anything like that. But like, it, I don't know what that was. That was, that's also the time frame when my mom made that phone call to me when I was 20 years old. Um, so that- a question, a question about her trip to Germany. Did she mention anything to him about, you so here's the other thing he's not german (laughs) oh okay he's not german at all my mom completely lied that story that she told me in the email was 100% made up 100% it was a total lie uh he's not german at all he was in the air force they were in the air force together they were stationed in germany together they had a relationship they dated it wasn't for very long but they dated Um, and she absolutely knew who she was and he was not German. He did not, he doesn't speak German. He's, he's, he's from Ohio, you know, like he's, he's not that, you know? And so, and, and with that trip, what it confirmed to me is again, cause I've never, I still haven't yet to talk to my mom is that she knew exactly what she was doing. You know what I mean? Like she's known, how else would she, you know, she's known the whole time. This has been something that her deep, dark secret that she has kept the whole time. And I know it's because I don't know anything. I'm assuming it's because, you know, they were very young and my dad is, was like a really sweetheart to her, you know, and my bio dad he's, he's got a large personality and I can see them clashing, you know, and I could see her being like, you know, I'm going to choose the guy who is a sweetheart to me. You know, I can see her making that choice. Um, and every, I have a lot of compassion, honestly, for my mom and the choices that she made when she was young, you know, this world was not still is not set up for, women and mamas to be supported in the ways that they are, they need to be and deserve to be, you know, and mothers have to make really difficult decisions all the time, you know, and I have a lot of compassion for her for that. Everything that she has done since I am an adult, (laughs) I am like flabbergasted. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, and it has been, well, then I'll keep going. There's even more, um, so yeah, bio dad and I start to build a relationship. Um, I eventually just realized I need to talk to my dad to find out if he knew him, who knew what, it, it, you know, is this guy some scam artist? I just, I don't know, you know, and I needed to talk to somebody. Um, that conversation ended, I mean, it just ended up being one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my entire life. I put it off for months because every time I would kind of try to get the courage up to do it, I would chicken out. Um, finally one day I just had it. I had it. Like, I was just like, I'm going to do it. I called my dad. I was like, are you home? I need to come over. It's not an emergency, but it's really important. I need to talk to you right now. He was like, Whoa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm home. Come, you know, um, of course come, you know? So I came over, I was like shaking and crying, got there. Um, and I just, I hyperventilated again. I didn't know how to talk to him about this. How do you tell somebody this, you know? And he's a good, like, he is a good, solid dad who has been by my side my whole life. Like we live, like we live right around, we live like 30 minutes from each other, you know? I mean, how do you do this to somebody, you know? And yet 
there was no other way forward for me and I had to do it. And so I just did it. And like, it just really was hard. He was wonderful. Let me say that he was wonderful and amazing. Um, but it was hard for him, like heart wrenching, heartbreaking, you know, thank God, Hobita. uh, Thank God my stepmom, uh, was there because she's an adoptee and she just was able to really be this great kind of mediator, uh, holding the space and kind of, uh, understanding, you know, um, my dad was so great to me, said all the wonderful, you know, wonderful things about, you know, I don't, I don't care. You're my daughter, you know, all these types of things. He did not know him. Um, he had nothing. He was like, I'll look through pictures and stuff and find, see if I can find something. He was like, but I never knew that guy. I never knew anything about him. And, you know, I said, he wants to, you know, pursue a relationship with me. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, dad. You know, and my dad, that was the part, most painful part for him um, was that, you know, and he was like, look, Miha, I will never tell you what to do. He, he knows me. He knows how strong-willed I am. And, um, I'll never tell you what to do. Um, but I don't want to know anything about him. I can't, he's like, I'm, I'm too old. That's too painful. You know, I'm not going to tell you not to pursue a relationship. Please don't tell me anything, you know? Um, and, and I just, I so much respect for that. Um, I don't feel bothered by that. I feel like I really understand and I'm grateful he put down a like realistic boundary for him, you know, one that, um, but it also puts me in a funny position, um, because, you know, inside me, I'd like to get to know this person that I'm biologically related to. Um, and I, on the other hand, would never do anything to like hurt my dad because like I love him and like really it's just like we are each other's like biggest supporters you know and so that's kind of put me in a rock and a hard place but it's not his fault you know it's nobody's this is all just really confusing you know and really difficult to deal with um he gave me this one really beautiful piece of advice that has kind of carried me through a lot of this. At the end of it, I was like, dad, cause he's very good at compartmentalizing things in a way that I just do not have in me. You know, I am just like empathic bleeding feelings everywhere. You know? <laughs> and, um, and he's very like in a very, not in a like stuffy or like unfeeling way, but he just has this very wonderful way of like compartmentalizing things. Um, and so I was like, dad, how, like, how do I not let the bitterness and anger that I feel towards my mom just like eat me, not eat me alive? Like how, cause I am like, it was at that point was just raging inside of me. It was like everything that I had suppressed for 20 years was like out and open and had nowhere to go, you know? And, um, he said, I watched your mom blame her mom her entire life for everything wrong. And it made her a very bitter person. And he said, you're one of the shiniest, brightest people I know. Please don't let her take that from you too. And that has just stuck with me and carried me through a lot um, and helped me look at the bigger picture when I go down rabbit holes of like anger with my mom or resentment. Um, so right after that, I was in a really bad accident. Uh, I crushed my arm. I was in a horse accident and I crushed my arm and had to have it all rebuilt. It's all metal. Um, really, uh, really, really difficult trauma, like physical trauma to get over. Um, the, I guess I should say, what it did for me though, was it gave me a pathway. I was just floundering like raw nerves, you know, just floundering. And I kept trying to fix outward stuff, no idea how to fix the inward stuff. And this trauma sat me in a bed for a very long time. And I had nowhere to go, but to feel the pain every which way. And there was no more escaping it, you know, and that was the part I was missing. You know, I hadn't, 
I hadn't gone into the pain because you'd think it's never going to end, you know? And the betrayals and the just mm, all of it, all of it, you know? At a certain point in the healing of my arm, you get out of bed and you have to relearn to use your arm. And you you go to physical therapy and you power through a lot of different kind of pain and you relearn to use it. And in that process, it 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 showed me that with a lot of work, um, my own work, I think I had been waiting for my mom to do right in order for this like magic healing to begin. (laughs) And I didn't even know I was doing it. Um, and so I realized the, the internal work that was required and, you know, all the stuff that I had so much resentment and bitterness about having to do. Cause I was like, this is her mess. You know, she left this giant shit pile in my life, you know, Um, and I just didn't know. Anyways, I started, uh, really digging into therapy and, uh, all the, it was like everything I want, physical therapy, mental therapy, you know, I just dove into all of this stuff, you know? And I think another big thing that I learned from that whole process was that, I kept wanting things to go back to the way they were. I kept wanting this like fix, you know, and I realized there'll never be a fix. Like I'm never going back to the way that it was. Like my arm is always different and I will, uh, you know, always cause me pain and, you know, I will always uh, have to use it sparingly. And, you know, there's a whole new life that I have. I had to change my profession. (laughs) I was an organic farmer for 20 years and I've had to kind of reroute my life. Um, and that's what the DNA, like, that's what being an NPE, like, that's the part I was missing. I feel like, oh, sorry, I was hitting the table. <laughs> that's okay. the part of the NPE experience that I've been missing that, that this is a life changing, huge thing, at least for me, everybody's different, but that I needed to treat it as such. And as soon as I did, healing started happening. It was like, I would find podcasts or I'd find things that would help me, you know? And I started navigating the relationship with my bio dad, even though it was terrifying. And I knew that I was going to hurt my dad in my heart. I wanted that. And so I started kind of diving into that territory. Um, And he had a massive amount of abuse in his life growing up. And, you know, is doing amazing as a result of it right now, but definitely has some um, anger issues that he definitely has some different issues, you know, Um, he's done a lot of work on, uh, he's had substance abuse issues, you know, just all kinds of things through his life. And he has crawled through them, goes to therapy, um, still goes to therapy, you know, he is very different in that he faces his issues. And, you know, I've just watched, My mom run, literally run (laughs) as fast and as far as she can and as often as she can. And so to have somebody tackle things is, and then my dad is just so smooth. (laughs) He just has this way of compartmentalizing things. Like he knows his boundaries and he sticks within his limits, you know? And like, I'm just not built like that. Meeting my bio dad, learning my, knowing my bio dad has helped me understand myself better a little bit. You know, these ways, um, my bio dad is really smart, like genius level smart. Um, but that can be difficult, (laughs) you know, in this world, it can be hard. We are raised in different ways. And, you know, I'm a, you know, feminist, hippie, you know, liberal lady. And so when he says things that grate me at this point in my life, I'm my 42 year old lady, I, I speak up for myself, you know? And so we've hit some baubles, you know, where he's had some things that have rubbed me the wrong way. And, but we, we, we've made it through. Um, so I have a half sister, um, who was a couple years younger than me. Um, but it's a confusing situation. I've, we've come a long way with it. Um, he, so, uh, my, my bio sister or my, yeah, my bio or half sister, her mom, she was also born in Germany. Her, it was, her mom was also in the Air Force. Um, and her mom told my bio dad about her. And he denied it and, like, just didn't want to deal with it and, like, really rejected her. And so for 14 years, 
he didn't have any, he didn't even know. I mean, I think he just put it out of his mind in all honesty. Um, and 14 years later, uh, my sister's mom reaches out to him and says, Hey, this little girl really wants to know who you are. And so at that point he talked to her and then they met and, um, they look a lot alike. And so he just, okay. You know, he took on dad role at that point. Um, what he thinks is dad role. Um, my, my, what my sister, my sister, um, she's had, she's had her, her mom committed suicide not that long ago. Um, all kinds of hard things have been dealt to her, um, being rejected by her father, you know? And so here I come along, they've built a relationship through this. Um, but here I come along and he's so happy about me and he's so excited about me and, you know, he rejected her and they've built relationships since then, but it, I could feel her hurt, you know? Um, and so I just said, you know, F it, like, fuck it. I am too old to not speak my mind. So I sent them both an email. I wasn't going to say stuff about her that he didn't hear. You know, I just sent an email to them both. And I said, you know what? I think you were a crappy dad to her. You didn't pay child support, not a dime. You rejected her, you know, on and on and on of the stuff. (laughs) And here we are and you're glamorizing me. And I am great because I had a really great dad. And this is a really intense email and I know it is. But like I said, this is a really crazy situation and I was not about to hurt my sister, you know, and so somebody needed to say it and I did. And so I sent the email to them both. You know, I also was like, you know, I see all the work you've done in your life. Um, If I could have a similar conversation with your parents to my bio dad, you know, I would like they abandoned you in a lot of ways and I would hold them accountable. You know, (laughs) like I tried to make it as well-rounded as possible. Like I get you and like, don't put me in front of her, you know, please do Mm. not do that. Like that puts us all in a really uncomfortable position. And he got pretty packed pissed, understandably. Mm-hmm. And I knew what I was doing. Like I knew I took that gamble, but for me it was worth it because nobody had ever stood up for my sister like that in her entire life. Mm-hmm. And she has had a lot of difficulties and that girl is thriving now. That was like a year or a year and a half ago or something. I sent that email and she's in college. She's like got an apartment, got a cute dog. Like she is kicking butt and I'm just like oh I'm so glad I did it you know it was rough for me and the bio dad for about four or five months you know because he was pretty pissed but somebody needed to do it she needed somebody to just stand up for her you know and call like it was well eventually I um like during that break during that four or five month period where he was really pissed at me I like looked at my mom's Facebook page through like somebody else. Like, Oh, I was on, um, my, I was on my friend's computer and I was like, Ooh, cause I can't look at my mom cause she blocked me. I was so like, yeah. I'm gonna look at my mom and see what she's doing besides talking to me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't do that very often cause it generally crushes me, you know, but I just had a hair at my booty and I did it. And this is the thing that like, honestly, it catapulted the biggest healing. But in, in when I looked and saw what she was doing, it was such a kick in the face. So she's, she makes video games for a living. And, um, she started this whole game and it's called, and she's like the head of it, like runs it. It's like this huge thing. It's called Evolved Play, and the whole point of the game is to bring families together and to help facilitate social and emotional learning within families. It's like a family multiplayer. Uh, oh my god! I I shit you not. Like I shit you not. I I lost it. I lost it. I was like, yes. Are you kidding me? I was raging you know I was like this lady who like is the last person on the planet who needs to be telling anybody about being socially or like family so I couldn't even I couldn't even and it raged me and I was like 
And that is when I found the word NPE. And because I would just got on Google and I was like, there's got to be something for somebody like me. There's got to be something, you know? And I found, I think it was an article by you, maybe. I found something. I found the term NPE and it like, rainbows, unicorns, the world (laughs) opened. It was like, I just I'm gonna cry like thinking about the relief that I felt when I found that word and was able to connect into a community of people that could hear me that can understood me I didn't have to suppress anymore I could find the right therapist so I immediately found a NPE therapist that we do zoom therapy well I'm actually finding a new therapist and I'll get into that right now it's all good um, but like somebody where for all these different therapists I've done in the past, I was like, this is it. It's the NPE thing. We got to start here. Like, this is the point of starting everything else shoots out from this, you know? And, uh, so I found somebody that specialized in that. It was like, as soon as I found that, I found the podcast, like as soon as I found that word, it was like, you know, this connections, dominoes, I was able to start finding healing. So as much as I'm like pissed at my mom and just think she's a horrible, ridiculous lady in a lot of ways, I'm trying to get past that. But uh, it, it, seeing that like was the push off the cliff for me to, to like really dive into finding help and like Googling, 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 Googling until I found it, you know? Um, and so since then I found, like I said, a great therapist. I flew to meet my bio dad, which was scary. I took my son with me. My son is 17. This has very much been just as much as affected him just as much me. Um, because he, he lost his grandma, you know, like we've been through this together in a lot of ways. And I'm just really open with my kids. The little one is, I just didn't talk to her about it because she, I mean, she was little, like she didn't even know babies were made, you know, I mean, we just didn't, in the beginning, it was just like over, it would be not nice of me to overshare. Um, But when I went to go meet my bio dad, um, that's, she was like, you're going somewhere with Bubba without me. Like she was offended, you know? And so that's what I opened up to her as best as I can. And she didn't even really flinch, you know, it's always just going to be, there's going to be two dad figures in my life for her. Like that's just going to be her life growing up with my son. It's different because he's got the betrayal of losing my mom. My daughter doesn't even know my mom, but there was a period of time that my mom was in my son's life. You know, I went to go meet my bio dad and my bio sister. Um, it was, we just spent a couple days. I took my son with me. My son's, uh, big and strong. And I, you know, I don't know these people. It just felt, like he wanted to go. It just felt like the right thing to do. We like just, I couldn't take my husband because he needed to stay and take care of things here. And it just felt like the right thing to do. And it absolutely was the right thing to do. Them meeting each other was a really big deal. Um, you know, it wasn't like I said, like any of this, it wasn't linear. It wasn't straightforward. We hit some baubles in there. Um, but we we make it through. That's what I appreciate about him is that he doesn't just like write you off. It's like we hit a bobble and then we take some space and then we reconnect and figure it out, you know? Um, and then it, uh, we were just there a couple nights and then, you know, we would hang out and then me and my son would go to the hotel and we would like process it all, you know? <laughs> like, what did you think about that? What did you think about that? You know, and it was just like, I was so glad he was there with me and he was so glad he was there with me, you know? Like, I didn't leave him out of any of this, you know? Because he's just too grown and too smart for any of that, you know? And, um, and then we did it together. So I did that. Um, and I haven't told my dad that I don't know if I'm ever going to tell my dad that when I came back from that trip, I had this huge slump of guilt. It was overwhelming. Um, and I, it took me a a minute to get out of that. I had a lot of guilt. I felt like I had completely betrayed my father and I, it made it all real and it was just really difficult for a minute. Um, through therapy, I have worked a lot of that out, you know? Um, the biggest part that I'm working with right now and is the most confusing and I don't have my ground underneath me. I don't know how to deal with it, um, is the race part of it because I went from being biracial to huge part of my identity, um, to being white and, um, 
I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with that in society. Um, I don't, I, I feel like I talked to my dad a little bit about it that time we were talking and he's just like, Mija, you're, 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 you're Boricua. you know, like you are Boricua por vida. Like there's nothing you can do about that, you know? And, um, and I get it and I appreciate his perspective and I, I, I get that. And also like, that's not true. And I don't know what to do about that, you know? And so my therapist that I've been working with doing MPE stuff, we both agreed uh, race is not her specialty and that we like the next phase for me is to find a therapist that can help me with that. And so I'm in the process of kind of interviewing or just going through, and I just don't have tons of time, so I haven't been diligent about it, but um, finding somebody that can help me kind of dive into the race stuff. Cause it is really hard and really confusing and a lot to sort out. And I feel really alone. Um, yeah, but I'm going to get help and sort that out. Um, but that's my, that's my story. <laughs> that's my story. That's where mm-hmm. I'm at. Marisol, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I, when you were telling about the letter you wrote to both your, I guess that would be your bio dad and your new half sister. Um, I thought that was wonderful and brave and, and I, I was like, can you be my sister? You're, <laughs> she, she's so lucky to have you. Um, I loved your honesty. You, you did the right thing. Thank you for talking about all of this. There's a lot of NPEs and other people with misattributed parentage events in their life that I know are dealing with the racial identity. Thank you for, for speaking to that. And I know you are um, very busy. I'm not going to give out your contact information, but if anyone ever wants to send me a note, I will I will forward that to you if you know if you want to read that. Just some any sort of feedback or, or compliment, really. Thank you. But thank thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate it. I thank you. I can't thank all of you enough. Every one of you that has shared your story, you have all like touched me and healed me. So. I'm grateful. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.